What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Martin, with Intuitive Minds Podcast. Welcome to another episode. And today's guest, we have owner of MK Entertainment, Melissa Kaklak. How are you today, Melissa? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing? Good, good. Hanging in there, you know, one day at a time. How's your day going so far? So far, so good. It's been a, a pretty good Thursday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, so now who is Melissa Keklak? Break break that down. Where is she from and everything? And how is her growing up? Um, she grew up in Pennsylvania um, and was actually into singing and musical mm. theater. And so I was a competitive singer and I did, you know, all the, the musical plays in, in our hometown and <clears throat> all of that stuff. And then I went to college and I continued musical theater. And then I realized, like, I really didn't like I liked the idea of music and I loved music because I was brought up. My mom really like, uh, you know, instilled that in me, but I didn't like being in front of the stage. I didn't like everyone staring at me. I didn't like having to go to voice lessons and train my voice and just the anxiety that came with like competing in that space. So then I decided, well, I'm going to learn public relations because, mm-hmm. you know, that I can still work in music. I could work with music artists, but like on a business side. And so I switched over and that's what I went to school for. And then I worked for a bunch of PR agencies. And then I worked for um, G Shop as their director of PR mm-hmm. and artist relations. And that's where I started to get really into the culture of, of pop music and, and R&B and hip hop and working with a lot of independent artists as well as Kanye West, who was like mm-hmm. the main artist ambassador that um, I had at the time. And that is really kind of what catapulted me. And from there, I didn't like corporate life and I mm-hmm. loved independent <laughs> music. So I moved to Los Angeles and I started mm-hmm my own PR firm that catered to independent artists in the urban space. And from there, that transitioned into me and yep. meeting problem um, mm-hmm. out of Compton, California. And him was, he was actually the one that said to me, he's like, you're not a publicist. Like you're a music man. <laughs> like, no, you're not like, no, you're not that. Mm-hmm. And so he was the one that, you know, took the chance and I started managing him and then mm-hmm. met Hobson and worked with Hobson and then met Black Youngsta, worked with Black Youngsta and then discovered Ken the Man. And mm-hmm. Ken has been my biggest and my most passionate project to date that I've been working on the last two years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, let's go back a little bit uh, to the beginnings now. What drew you to musical theater in the first place? Like what, what, what's, what's, what like drew, drew you to that? I just, I loved acting and singing. Like, I just, I loved it. I wanted to be part of it. Like, I, I loved, I, I just, I got so excited when I would go to to music, like to plays and Les Miserables and just different shows and see them up on stage singing and just like captivating and really commanding mm-hmm. an audience. Like, mm-hmm. it was probably the Leo in me, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, I want the spotlight. But then I started to get a taste of everything that came along with that. And yeah. I'm like, it's a lot of work. <laughs> Yeah. So you found comfortability working behind the scenes more. Yeah. Like I love being behind the scenes and Mm -hmm. like, I think that's why I have, you know, a very, I have a very intuitive, keen heart when it comes to the artists that I work with and that I manage because I get it, you know, and I think I understand their side a little bit more than a lot of music managers because not a lot of them come 
from being on that side first and like experiencing how difficult it is. So I think that's where like a different kind of empathy, you know, I have with my management style. Mm -hmm. And also growing up in Pennsylvania, you mentioned there was music in your household. What kind of music was there playing in your household growing up? Oh my God. Uh, You too. John Lennon, Fleetwood Mac, uh, Aerosmith, like it was a lot of rock, like a Mm -hmm. lot of rock music Mm -hmm. I was brought up around. Mm -hmm. What about like inspiration wise? Who are inspirations? Music, whether it's music, movies or acting and stuff like that. Inspirations. um, I mean, you know, what's crazy. It's like I'm inspired by by people I've watched do things from the ground up. So it's like, you know, it's not really, I guess I would say an actor or an artist, but for an example, like I I get, I get very inspired and motivated by, um, his name is Brandon. He's Mulatto's mm-hmm. manager, mm-hmm. Um, Brandon Farmer with BF Management. That's someone that I've like, I watched when he first worked with Mulatto and I, and I've watched his growth and his transgression and all these things that he built, you know, from the ground Mm -hmm. up with someone when there was no one around. And so that's where my inspiration comes from. When I see like-minded people that may also even be possibly considered the underdog and Mm -hmm. watching them do it, because, Mm -hmm. you know, that's something that I feel like the underdogs really are the ones that are the overachievers and they're the ones that actually become the wealthy ones in the end Mm -hmm. and the rich ones are like the microwaved challenge Mm -hmm. you know so Mm -hmm. so yeah like I wouldn't say there's anyone like famous it's like you know him and Scooter Braun is another Mm -hmm. one that I really Mm -hmm. just look up to and admire and Mm -hmm. you know freaking Elon Musk like he's somehow that I feel (laughs) like you know he's not afraid to like shake shit up and I think that's that's dope because a lot Mm -hmm. of times with the exposure and the growth you know there's a lot of spotlights on you and sometimes it makes people retreat and so I really commend the ones that like they embrace it and they still do them and they still as crazy as it may look to others they you know they follow exactly what they did when no one was looking Mm -hmm. and you also got to appreciate the 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 come up as well like you as a manager you're coming up with somebody that's fresh new so it's like when they flourish it's like wow like now we can flourish together because it's like we did this from the ground up. You weren't yeah. just a, a you weren't just a, a pet project or a, I don't know plants as it like right. an industry plant. You know what I mean? There there is a lot of those, but there, it's kind of tough to pinpoint because they're industry trained. So right. so it's I, I me too. I love watching the underdogs come up like that. That's why I created this podcast as well as to interview people behind the scenes that get these people started. Like, wait, you didn't do this alone. Somebody helped you wrap this up. You know what I mean? So. Who are those yeah. people? You know what I mean? Let them share the stories, which is, it's a beautiful thing to watch, you know? It really is. And I mean, yeah, I get her and I both get emotional sometimes just thinking back on a lot of the stuff because it really, it was just us. We were a two pony show, you know, mm-hmm. for over two years doing it. Like we, we got in a car accident together. Like, you know, like there's just, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that we experienced the first that like, mm-hmm. it was really just us. And mm-hmm. that that's a different kind of bond you have with that person, because basically it's like that person really saw what your talent was and entrusted mm-hmm. in, in the fact that you believe so much in yourself that they came along for your dream. Mm-hmm. And that says a lot. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like Nas said, it's like that dash between the the come up and the success. That dash is the most beautiful part about it all, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's the learn that's the learning experience. You yeah. know what I mean? It's a it's a beautiful thing. Um, now you said you started working with Casio Electronics, and then you were PR as a PR director, and you're responsible for Shock and G Shock and all of that for rebranding and stuff like that. What is what is some advice you can give to someone that is entering that realm and try and working on rebranding? Like um, for products or for artists or for in- for products for products for products if they're entering in the realm of rebranding mm-hmm. like just like you did. <clears throat> um, I would say don't chase a trend mm-hmm. because if you're already on if 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 it's already a trend it's gonna be over by the time you get into it right. Mm-hmm. So I would say when when it comes to the rebranding like you got to learn how to see around the corner before you get there and like really just own in on, on what that is and and act and like execute you know with mm-hmm. that just laser focus in mind um and just making sure everything you're doing is organic to what you feel like your brand represents like you know don't chase the crowd or what is mm-hmm. To this one or that one, like you know, it's it's never gonna stick. That's why it's like it's funny to me when I see certain brands activate in like hip hop that I'm just like I don't I don't get it at all. Like yeah, you, yeah. Just like it's like you stick out like a sore thumb, and mm-hmm. like I get it, you're trying to capture all audiences, but like you're like you shouldn't show up to every party. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Like you know, like that it, it, it shouldn't be that way. Mm-hmm. Not everyone's supposed to be in every single room. Yeah, and it's especially if, if you, you obviously have the trained eye, so you notice that right away. You know? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which, which, yeah, and it's it's again, it, and it's also a very small industry too, and mm-hmm. that's another, that's another thing. Everybody knows everybody, so it's like everybody can talk. So it's like, it's yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole, it's a whole ball game. You know what I mean? Yeah, a hundred percent. Now, uh, you also recently started an OnlyFans, but more so to connect with managers and artists and elaborate a bit on the mission behind that. I did. Um, So at the end of last year, when we were in actually like more so while we were in COVID, because, you know, like everyone had more time on their hands. But I just there's so many people that'll hit me on Twitter or on Instagram and ask me to listen to a track or, you know, can can I do a call with them to give them marketing advice or, mm-hmm. you know, can I tell them what playlist they should pitch their new song for and while I would love to answer everyone in every single place, it also takes time. And like, it took me years of blood, sweat and tears to learn the things Mm -hmm. that you're asking for. So I felt like, okay, well, here's how to fix this problem. Cause I didn't want to feel like I ignore people. I do want to help, but like, I also want to have a monetary attachment to it because Mm -hmm. it is, my knowledge and my time that I'm devoting to help you. So I decided OnlyFans would be a great platform because when people hit me, you know, about everything I could tell them, like, 
go there because if you're like that then that also like don't waste my time and half the people they aren't serious and the other mm -hmm. half you know they are so it's like well if you're serious then you'll go there and you'll pay the subscription fee and you'll send me the song there and mm -hmm. i'll review it there and i'll give you help there but you know like that is where i'm going to do that and only where i'm going to do that mm -hmm. now obviously you've been in the industry like you said for a long long time oh what's what's something that you see different from like let's say 10 years ago to today how do you think in the industry has changed in your opinion in your experience oh my god the pace like mm -hmm. everything just the turnover rate of like how quickly consumers absorb the content and and the stuff and and their demands is just mm -hmm. more and more, more you know and also just for artists i think it's a challenge and, and it's an understandable challenge for artists when it comes to the music because we're in a time and space where artists have to be attached to so much more it's mm -hmm. not just going in and pumping out albums and doing a promo run for two weeks around it like now brands want you to do do branding deals and now you're getting paid for social media engagements and mm -hmm. then you have you know, touring and aside from touring, you have these pop-up festivals that want you. And, you know, there's just like, I just see the, them being put in so many directions and it's like, so that slows down the music because you have these guys that are overworked as it is because they have to do all these other components in their career and continue to feed the fans mm -hmm. new content and new music. So it's just, I think, and everyone's complaining like, oh, the quality of music is shit. Well, yeah, because everyone has this demand of they want more music and more videos and all this, but they want to mm -hmm. see performing and they want to see these people doing press things and they want to have meet and greets and they want these people to pop up at the football game like just there's so much to it and it's like <clears throat> we're never going to satisfy like because mm -hmm. we're just like it's just going to keep you know expelling forward and faster mm -hmm. and especially like COVID changed a lot of things for for a lot of artists I mean a lot of artists have had like plans like year year round you know what I mean and it just completely shattered them so most of them went back in the studio so we're, we're going to be expecting a lot of music coming this summer, for but sure. But in sense, see, that's what I'm like, okay, right, you're expecting. You're expecting new music because everyone sat at home. But just like everyone else, they went through mental shit, too. Exactly. So, and, like, yeah. like, like, talk about writer's block. Like, think about that. Mm -hmm. You're stuck in the house. What the fuck are you being, excuse my language, but what are you being inspired by to write? Like, mm -hmm. I you know, yeah, we could expect a lot more music, but can we? Because they're human beings too. And I know how hard it was to go through that. And like, I can mm -hmm. only imagine like what content did, came across your mind going through that being stuck at home. Like you couldn't have possibly been expired. Maybe, maybe they, there is some great hits that were written. I hope there was, but mm -hmm. in the same sense, we got to remember, we all went through the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And then like, but how do you see touring like coming? Do you see coming back stronger than ever when, once this is all over? I, yeah, I mean, I definitely see, I think it comes back in a different way. I think it, it, it was great that it did go away for a minute, you know, mm -hmm. because it just became so expected. And <clears throat> I think that feeling of like just the live show and that emotional connection of seeing those people like up on the stage performing kind of went away because it was just always available and mm -hmm. like not having it, you know, like I, I, 
have my first Rolling Loud in July. I know I'm going to be emotional when I go to that show. Cause like, mm. I ha- you know, I haven't seen a Rolling Loud stage in a year. We've been doing these weird little mm. virtual live stream concerts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so mm. absolutely. What I mean, that's also worked for, for, for a few people too. You know what I mean? So which, which, oh, you know what I mean? So certain artists found a way to do it. You know what I mean? Since we're sitting home, let's you know what I mean? You also mentioned a uh, writer's block. What about as well as like a PR person? How do you, how do you, for you personally, how do you manage to get out of a block when you're doing something, a certain job? Um, I'll switch to something else. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm, if I'm just sitting in it and I'm like, I'm just not getting anywhere with it. I'll switch to something else or, um, I'll Google, like, whatever mm-hmm. I'm blocked on, I'll Google words that, like, you know, resonate with what I'm blocked on to see, like, what comes up um, on Google and see if that sparks me at all. Mm-hmm. After you worked for, for PN, PMK PR, when first building, what are some things you learned that you still apply today? Uh, I would say definitely my communication skills, Mm -hmm. you know, when I, when I was on the PR side of things, like I was always told you should never take more than 24 hours to respond to an email. And so that's something that I really stick to still to this day. And that's something, you know, other managers or just business executives in the industry, when they'll meet me, they're like, you're so thorough and Mm -hmm. you're communicating and you get back in touch pretty quick and like we appreciate that so I would say that um and then you know in PR you're always you you always have to have a solution like that's why you're the PR because people hire you to like figure out the problems like so that's something that I still carry with me like when I go to my artists if there's an issue like I always come with the issue mm-hmm. and possible solutions mm-hmm. because I don't ever want them to feel like, well, that's it. We hit a dead end. You know what I mean? And also just feel like they can't navigate it. So I feel like that's helpful to, because maybe they don't like your solution, but your solution might spark something that, that they feel more comfortable with that makes sense. And then you can do that. Or sometimes they like your solution. So mm-hmm. I would say those are the two biggest things. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, your work is hectic pretty much between artists and working within your company as well. What are some hobbies that you do outside of that? Like, how do you find time for yourself? I get up really early in the morning and I play on the stock market. That's Mm -hmm. kind of like one thing that I love. I love Mm -hmm. trading and it's just like something that's outside of music that I've just found interest in like within the last two years. So like... I, I engross myself in stocks. Um, I read a lot. I'm mm-hmm. currently reading the, uh, the times 10 rule. What is it called? The times, 10 times rule book, I think. It's I've it. seen that floating around a lot lately. That's, sure. that's become a hit lately. Ten time rule. Yeah. yeah. The ten, or, I'm sorry, the 10x rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's by Grant Cardone. So that's mm-hmm. the current one. So like I'll read. Um, uh, I work out very early in the morning, whether it's like boxing or with my personal trainer, like that's mm-hmm. something that I not only enjoy, but I feel like it just helps because it, it kind of expunges me like first thing where like there's no stress in my body by the time I leave that gym. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, those are some things I do. Mm-hmm. now let's let's stick to to um to outside of well let's stick to music but um what's up like let's say hip-hop 
who are a rock or whatever, who are your top five artists, your favorite top all time? Favorite top all time. Um, obviously, Ken the Man. Um, Life out of Compton, California. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tupac. Um, Michael Jackson. And Chris Brown. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, you mentioned Compton, and obviously you also mentioned Problem as well. How did that relationship transpire? Um, problem? Yeah. Eh, God, like so many years ago, because we're not going to date myself on here yet, but <laughs> like a lot of years ago where he was like in the process of rebuilding his team and he was talking to other people in the industry and my name came up in the room and they were like you should talk to her like you might like her she might be a fit and so him and I met at a Starbucks randomly and sat down and he just kind of told me like what he was working on and what he wanted Mm -hmm. to do I told him like what I've done and who I've worked with and kind of like what I do and you know how I thought I could help so he was like let's partner on, I have this EP coming out, Hotels 2, like, let's partner on that, have you roll it out and, like, see, you know, and go from there, so I rolled out that project, and shortly after, he asked me to manage him, and Mm then, um, yeah, that was, the rest was history. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, shout out to Problem, Uh, I had the, I had the pleasure of working with him because of you, which was, which was awesome, It it was an awesome experience. Absolutely, and to all his business endeavors, that man is, all over the place, has his hands everywhere. He's getting all them you feel me's. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. He's a funny dude too. He's a hilarious. Like he is. He's an hilarious guy. Uh, but uh, now, if your life was a soundtrack, which five tracks would you pick? God, if my life was a soundtrack, which five songs would I pick? Um, I would do "Life's Good" by Ken the Man. Mm-hmm. I would do Dream in Color by Corday. Nice. nice. Um, what else would I do? This is a tough question. <laughs> um, I would do, I'm trying to think of like songs I've been singing lately. Yeah, <laughs> this past week or the month. Yeah, I'm like, what have I been singing? Mm-hmm. You start um, to go through your phone, like, wait, recently played. You know what? That's a freaking good idea. I'm mm-hmm. grabbing my phone. Hold on. <laughs> Uh, what I okay. Um, Affirmative Action by Nas. Nice. Why Would I Stop by Big Sean. Mm-hmm. Nice. And Stay Down by Little Dirk nice. and Young Thug. That would be my soundtrack. Nice, nice, nice. Why though? Why, 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 why that energy? Because that's like totally like so many different energies all in one. Cause that's me. Like life's good, but you know, there's also the affirmative actions that I have to take throughout, but through all of them, I always stay down. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I just don't stop, you know, and like, yeah. why would I stop? Cause at the end mm-hmm. of the day, like everything's amazing. Like mm-hmm. I love what I do. So, mm-hmm. but I'm also human and we all go through like, the ups and the downs, the goods, the bads, the greats, the in-betweens mm-hmm. to get there, mm-hmm. you know? Now, what drives that, though? What's that? What drives that energy for you? I just have a very, very strong determination to succeed. Like, I, I have felt in my bones for the longest time that I can break an artist by myself. So mm-hmm. I'm like, it's like me against me. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like that's what's driving me because it's like everything that I accomplish, like every time I hit a goal, whether it's small, big, whatever, like if it was something that I didn't know how to do before and I figured it out and it got me one step farther, like and then I'm like, all right, Melissa, we'll one up yourself again. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I just I keep one upping myself. So it's like I keep hit like I keep having successful jump shots. So mm-hmm that just keeps me thriving because I'm like, okay, I'm getting there. And once you start mm-hmm. seeing, you know, like it, it, it's, it's the patience you got to have while the seed is in the ground. But like, once you start seeing it actually come above surface, mm-hmm. that excites you even more because you're like, whoa, what else can I do to make right, it yeah. bigger? And, you know, you just get excited because it's mm-hmm. working. Like mm-hmm. it's not, it didn't break. It's also that part of the creativity that you also have, because you also mentioned that you, you know, you did the theater at the same time, you did acting. So it's also that creative side in you that's like, what can I do something more within this creative field? Yeah, exactly. Like, that's my favorite part of it. Like, I get to, I get to help the artists put their vision out to the world. Like, like my mind was part of that. Like, that's so dope to me when I see stuff go out, you know what I mean? Like, I had a producer that I, I secured three songs on Polo G's uh, mm. last album with him mm. and one of them being Martin and Gina. And it's like, every time I hear that song, like my name's on that song. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I, ha- I own a piece of that song. That's mm-hmm. crazy to me. You know what I mean? Like that shit is the mind blowing stuff because mm-hmm. not everyone gets these opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's, consider yourself blessed for sure. Yeah. A hundred percent, even on the bad days. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned you worked with Black Youngster as well. Uh, what's it like working with Black Youngster? I learned the, so much from him. Mm-hmm. Like, Youngster, he's someone that you're not going to work for him. You're going to work with him. Mm-hmm. And and that's what I loved the most. You know, like, the moment I walked through those doors and he wanted me to help him with his label, Heavy Camp, like, and, and help him, you know, with his career and, and managing and all of that, I was absolutely down and I learned so much from him and you know he really trusted and believed in me and that's what made our relationship thrive and make that such a great experience and really help build me to to get the chops that I needed to be like okay I can do this like mm-hmm. I could go have my whole own management company like mm-hmm. I, I know what I'm doing. Yep, yep. Now you've been in the industry, like I said before, many, many years. What would you say the pros and cons are based on your experience? Um, I mean, pros are obviously the the perks that come along mm-hmm. with all of it, you know, all the things you get to do. Like when I was with Youngsta, I mean, like I, I went to Amsterdam, I went to Dubai, mm-hmm. I went to where else do we go? Amsterdam, Dubai, Germany, London, like, you know, with Ken, just all these experiences that, that I've had, like, those are such great pros. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the pros are like pretty obvious, but the cons are, you know, your number one, your schedule, there's, isn't a such thing as a schedule. Like, Mm -hmm. people are like, what's your week? Like, I'm like, uh, I mean a week, I don't know how to tell you that because Mm -hmm. it's just like, there's so much going on and then there's not and 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 there's different moving parts and sometimes it's not crazy for me in the morning but then two o'clock you right. know rest of the day and then I'm in studio at 8 p.m and I'm not mm-hmm. leaving studio until 4 a.m and I do that for three days in a row and then other times I don't have studio but then I have zooms and I have early mornings and mm-hmm. you know 
like so it's just you you don't really have a schedule and that affects family and that is a big con because mm-hmm. family doesn't really understand this world mm-hmm. and rightfully so you know they don't eat sleep and breathe it like we do and so they don't get that you can't answer like you have to answer the booking phone when it's dinner time and they want you to hang out with you know your nephews and and everyone right yeah things don't shut off like that and that puts a strain um Mm -hmm. and and those are probably the two biggest cons of it Mm -hmm. which is why you find most of most artists are like single or you know what i mean just because they're so focused on on and they know that sometimes it can be tough to bring this certain energy home yeah yeah Mm -hmm. like it takes a very confident person to be with someone in the industry Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. of what goes with it you know Mm -hmm. like it really does and i say it all the time because you think you're you think you're good but then you get in the mix of shit and you're like oh wow like then you start tripping and then it's all bad Mm -hmm. because i remember when i first started photography in 2016 or 2015 i started doing stuff for surf school and I remember their studio time was insane. It was like, you had to be there at 12 a.m., but you weren't leaving until 7 a.m. So it was yeah. like seven hours of constant, like, photography. Like, how much photos can you get in the studio for seven hours? You know what I mean? But yeah. you, know, you had to be there for the moments. You had to, when do I switch it to video? You know what I mean? It was like for seven hours. And then you don't, you get to sleep, but then a whole day goes by. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I had Ken out here for a week two weeks ago and we started studio every night at either eight or nine at night mm-hmm. we were leaving studio at 4 a.m and you're doing that back to back by by day four you're exhausted yeah. you, like you've been in a dark place like for the opposite ends of the days when your body's used to sleeping and try and being creative nonetheless and mm-hmm. you know, going through beats and figuring and writing and just all of it and then it's like you then you got to recharge your body and then you right. know there it was like the next week we had to go to Miami and shoot a video mm-hmm. and we're in Miami for three days nonstop for that and then we come back and then okay well we got to do label calls now we got to do meetings and then we got to switch into that gear and that's why it's like it's all the way all different like you know for a week straight you might not see me because i'm in studio for four days and then i'm around and i'm home doing work from home and calls for a couple days and then i'm out in miami like it's just i i'm all over the place like just like everyone else like we move we move so different and just so unexpected because it's basically in real time Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned in the pros that traveling was one of them. Which country was your favorite outside of the United States and the favorite foods? Do you have? Did you pick any that you? Oh like, my I'm god! Not- yeah, the little freaking Dutch pancake thing that I <laughs> oh, found yeah. in Amsterdam. Like mm-hmm. I've never experienced those before. I went to Amsterdam, and that was like, like I loved everything about Amsterdam. I would go back there in a heartbeat. I hated Dubai, but I also got into an accident on on the sand dune buggy, and I was mm-hmm. like really badly beaten up from it. So I think that also messed up my trip <laughs> but um Amsterdam and I loved London like mm-hmm. love love London yeah London is amazing I love going there it's like a third home for me I love staying in the Richmond area in London that's it's an amazing area I don't know if you've been in that area <laughs> I don't know where we stayed actually because I believe I got COVID in London because I got oh. deathly I got deathly ill and I had to fly home early and like 
I had to have people come get me at the airport. And then my doctor kept telling me it was the flu. But like looking back now, I'm like, I definitely got COVID because that's like we were out on our international tour right when COVID started to hit overseas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like when London got hit pretty hard, probably. Mm -hmm. That was probably the peak. Holy crap. That must have been, whoa, scary. I know. I was like, I knocked on Youngster's door and I'm like, I'm flying home in the morning. And he's like, what? I'm like, I am so sick. Like I couldn't breathe. I could, oh, it was just the worst, but yeah. Like, and I went through all these Z packs and my doctor mm-hmm. was like, yes, the flu. And then it was recently I had to go in for something and she's like, you know, back. And I'm like, it wasn't the flu. She's like, yeah, I think it was COVID. I'm like, it totally was. Yeah. <laughs> that's so like like your chest was like you couldn't breathe at all so yeah definitely yeah like and it was freaking me out that's why I flew home because like I I just I'm like I've never experienced this before like I was having like such a hard time breathing like it was the weirdest kind of like it was like anytime I try to breathe it would make me cough and like I couldn't get a breath out and I was like Mm. I gotta be home where my like real doctor is because I don't know what this is yeah, especially like London, it's a different air out there too, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you've lived in LA for a while, so it's like a different, completely different air in London. Totally. That's crazy. But um, now towards the end of the podcast, I have these ten questionnaires that I got from uh, James Lipton from the Inside the Actor Studios. Okay. Um, and the la- the f- it's like ten rapid questions with ten rapid answers. Um, the first question is, what is your favorite word? Bitch. <laughs> What is your least favorite word? My least favorite word? Uh, dumb. What turns you on in life? Happy people. What turns you off in life? Rude, disrespectful people. What sound or noise do you love? Running water. What sound or noise do you hate? Um, a battery that needs to be changed in a fire alarm. <laughs> That's got to be annoying. And then you mentioned your favorite word is bitch. So is this also your favorite curse word? Because that's the next question. Oh, damn. Um, yeah, that is my favorite curse word. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So. Uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Wait, what was it? What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Uh, a culinary chef. Nice. Do you have any like favorite foods you like you can cook or? I can cook everything. When I first came out here, that's what I did. I went to cooking school because I had no friends and I was bored and I didn't want to become like a hermit. So there was this like cooking school at this arts institute mm-hmm. that you could sign up for for like this two month course. So I signed up for it and I went and I learned like three nights a week and I cook shit. So yeah, I um I cook a lot of things. I'm trying to get more over on the vegan side of life mm-hmm, slowly mm-hmm. but surely but I'll, <laughs> I'll never give up my filet mignon that's for sure yeah. but like I'm really trying to just do better at vegan life so that's been my latest thing is like learning how to do that which I made some bomb vegan meatloafs and they were mm-hmm. so good mm-hmm. uh, what profession would you not like to do garbage man mm, you're the fifth person that said that on this podcast <laughs> way yeah you're like the fifth person yeah literally it's like why is that so man i'm sorry if you if you're that's your line of duty i'm sorry but (laughs) (laughs) no i know exactly you know what 
because it's that's like like uh, if I would rather be the mailman than the garbage man because like the garbage man that's a lot of manual labor like that's mm -hmm. so much, and you just gotta be dirt like you gotta touch dirty stuff like I'm very OCD I can't yeah, like you know. Like I see a little like smudge on my counter and I have out like the granite cleaner and I'm going to town. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, Now the last question is if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? To me? Mm -hmm. um, your mom's been waiting for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, any last words you'd like to give to the people? Any shout outs and where can they follow you on the social? Um, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. My Instagram is at, and it's just my full name, Melissa Keklak with an underscore because some awesome person that's not me decided to use my name mm. on their account. So I need the underscore. So it's Melissa Keklak underscore and Twitter. It's at M K E N T underscore um for the management company and no i had a great time talking to you and Likewise. anyone that's listening just don't let anyone else get in your head my favorite line that i always say to the, my artists or anyone that is feeling discouraged is fuck them people mm -hmm. <laughs> facts facts all right guys uh this is another episode peace <laughs>